Okay, I'm calling to order the Marin County Housing Authority Board of Commissioners. And uh, I'm going to exercise the prerogative. Okay, so I've opened the meeting. We're going to have public comment. Ma'am, would you like to come to the podium and give your comments now? You have that opportunity. This is the right time. Okay, then you have to be quiet. Is there anyone else who wishes to speak in public comment? I've moved it from the end of the meeting to the beginning of the meeting. Royce? Uh, Shirley, anyone? Public comment? Okay. Please, Royce, go ahead. Yes, uh, Royce McLemore. My, my comments are, um, I had a conversation with one of the residents at Cougar Pines uh, as it turns out, not only Cougar Pines and Golden Gate Village, we're going downhill swiftly. And what I mean in terms of the, the quality of work, the quality, one maintenance man, but yet and still you have, what, three, four million dollars is coming from taxpayers' money to help going forward for something, but in the here and now, there is one true maintenance worker that knows everything, 500 units, that's an impossibility. Someone who has skill, that is, one, that is a major thing that's happening there. And, and the quality of work and the, the residents not being able to access the program manager. This is real, take it or leave it, <laughs> it's real. And then, the threats, you'd be surprised that the, the many threats that people are just afraid of getting evicted at Golden Gate Village. Yes, um, we had a team that, our teams that went out door to door, and I don't know if they're going to be on to, today, just to share what the attitudes of the people that are living there, and as well, um, I did send pictures out to you in terms of living conditions. These are the current ones, not something from yesteryear. The current conditions. It's unacceptable. I know you wouldn't live like that, you know, and where uh, people are looking at, um, it's being brought to their attention of the conditions as well as money floating like, uh, you know, it's jelly beans, or actually what they say are jelly beans uh, that people are engaged in that should be at work. Uh, but it, at some point in time, you will, it'll come back to roost, the chickens will come back to roost, and then you'll remember, I said it, I told you so. You right. really need to take the blinders off and really see and question 
question. Thank you. Let's wrap up. Damien, any comments? You're our other member of the public besides Shirley, who's here. Oh, and there's Kahea back there. Okay, we're going to close public comment now. Thank you. And uh, we'll ask an online. Oh, thank you. I forgot about online. Uh, is there any public comment online? Yes, we have three hands raised. Any luck with our tech staff with getting volume again, or are we back to where we were? Okay. Me to talk? Uh, just please stand by, sir. Thank you. Yeah, we, we can hear the uh, speakers now, Al. Go ahead, sir. And we're at two minutes for public comment now. <clears throat> Given the number of the aforesaid projects coming down the road to the county of Marin with these AMI based quotas and allocations, questions naturally arise. First, how and who makes these determinations? Also, how frequently are they done? Annually, biannually, semi-annually, how frequently? Um, given the economic volatility currently, what happens when a tenant either rises above his previous AMI determination or below it? What um, guards are going to be put in place to deal with the potential frauds that will occur as a consequence of making these AMI income qualifications? And who's going to keep record of the uh, findings of this process? And where are they, where are they going to be uh, held? Uh, what county property taxes will these projects pay into? The general 1% tax um, and or the numerous add-ons that the rest of us pay on our tax bills. In particular, all the school bonds. Finally, have you done an estimate or will estimates be made of these um, projects uh, water usage? And will they um, are going to contribute to the upcoming water bonds now being discussed in works at the MMWD? Uh, the water assessment projects have many expensive ideas on uh, going on right now that uh, some of which uh, number in the hundreds of millions of dollars. At any rate, I think these are questions the general public uh, is entitled to get some answers to uh, given this complexity and this uh, idea of affordability uh, quotas in these projects. Thank you. 
The next speaker is Marguerite Moriarty. Please unmute. Marguerite, it looks like you're unmuted, but we can't hear you. Can you do an audio check, please? Marguerite? It looks like you're unmuted, but we can't hear you. We'll come back to you. Uh, the next speaker is Charlene Elden. Please unmute. Hi, I'm not even sure if I know what to say particularly, except that this was really egregious and really, really sad to watch. And frankly, the no votes felt very staged. I can't believe that after listening to all of that public comment, not just today, for months, for years now, that you would still just go ahead with this kind of sneaky, snaky behavior. And like Betty Hodges said, I hope you choke every time you say the word equity. How dare you? The same day you're passing Disability Awareness Month, Nauru's, all of these like glad-handing, ceremonial, fake, shallow events, and you do this because this is what your actual plan was all along. There has never been a concerted effort from any one of you to stop the gentrification of Marin City, not once. There's been lip service. There's been, you know, furrowed eyebrows, looks of concern, words of pity sometimes, but mostly there's been racism and complicity and choosing money and real estate and gentrification and white supremacy, ultimately. Um, again, I've never been proud to be from Moran, and this is why. And not one kid who grew up the way that I did there appreciates living in a segregated area. Not one of us like it. You're not providing anything. You're not making anything better. You're ruining communities, splitting up families, and, you know, betraying your voters. Thank you. The next speaker is Kate Levinson. Please unmute. I, um, I appreciate that the supervisors have uh, multiple challenges. Um, and I missed the first part of the meeting, unfortunately. But I did hear um, Supervisor Mrs. Peters expressing her regret and frustration over the lack of community input, including, I believe, the 825 Drake property um, planning process. But I also have witnessed over the course of um, my involvement with Golden Gate Village and the Resident Council that you um, uh, cited, you rubber stamped the Marine Housing Authority. You never supported uh, the Resident Council exploring uh, a, a fuller plan. They were left to do that all on their own. And um, and now I understand, and I don't know if this is the right time for this comment, but I understand that the uh, independent contractor, um, Mr. Andrews, who um, 
who supported the MHA, who recommended the MHA, MHA plan, is now um, going to be hired, if you approve, as one of the independent, uh, as a, as a um, manager for this process. And it, again, it, it, without, without the resident council input, mm. it, so I, I concur with the, the um, previous speaker saying sneaky and closed door and illegal, I believe, um, and uh, I am also uh, just uh, appalled at how you go along, your hands are tied all the time. You say your hands are tied, you have no choice. You're leaders, you're supposed to be leaders and helping us uh, to have, have a, a better, um, to uphold what you have adopted as your, your, uh, your mission statement. And I don't, I just don't see it, I'm very disappointed. The next speaker is Johnson Reynolds, please unmute. Thank you. I live in the canal, and I mentioned in my speaking before that we're facing gentrification of the canal. Any low-income community, uh, immigrant community, people of color community has that to face at Towns Life, and uh, we need to strike a note against gentrification if that's what's happening. We need to strike a note for holding down rents. SB 35 is good. It, it needs to proceed in places that it's geared for. The urban situations, other parts of the county. But we need to consider the local area like Milton Peters was talking about and Lucan was supporting. Uh, we really need to hear from the local community in those regards. And the issue is we need to go to the state and influence them to understand that there's issues in the county that need to be addressed and not overburden or overput of um, density, high density housing in a place that already has it. That's, that's terrible on our front end. Appreciate Katie Rice and uh, Sackett, mostly Katie Rice and Sackett also saying, we plead with the developer to listen to the community and change the shape of the place and provide for parking. I hope that happens. Hope there's a heart among the developers that they can move forward and say, well, we submitted for 74 units, but we can maybe change that for the state. I, I would push that strongly. I, if I had, chance to talk to the developers, I would do that and go to the state. I don't know, Newsom, maybe uh, Mark McGuire, uh, Damon Conley, our representatives to uh, look at this. Yeah, thank you. We're at time now. Next speaker, please. The next speaker is Susan Rangish. Please unmute. Uh, yes, I'd like to speak to the issue of um, Mike Andrews and this position that he's taking up. I'm not clear whether this is the time to address that or the more disheartening aspects of just of what just transpired. Um, if you'd like to talk to about uh, the contract, that'll be item 16E, and we can take your public comment then. Good. 
Okay. Well, if I could have a moment to comment on this, and I won't take the whole time, it's just that it's, it's unbelievable. It's really, it's unbelievable what has transpired, and it does appear that maybe staged another vote of three to two, just like the previous uh, vote on on Golden Gate Village, it's so disheartening to see people who are supposed to represent us not representing us, and it's appalling. Thank you. President Mullen Peters, there are no additional speakers in the queue. Uh, close public comment now and bring it back for approval of the minutes of February 28, 2023. Does anybody have any changes or corrections? If not, I would entertain a motion. I'll move adoption of the minutes. Okay. Second. Thank you. Uh, is there any public comment on the minutes? I see one yes. here. Yes. Um, there's one speaker, Susan Rankish. Please unmute. So are we speaking to now the issue of uh, Mike Andrews? I'm no, not. sorry, Susan. We're no, at the minutes. No. We've got uh, right. about three three <laughs> items ahead of that. We'll, we'll let yeah. you know. Okay. Fine. Sorry they called sure. on me. No problem. Okay. There are no additional speakers on the Thank you. We have a motion. Luke, and a second. Rodoni, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. Board of Commissioners matters and Executive Director reports. I'm going to look to my left. Any Board of Commissioners to my right? No. We'll go to the executive director's report. Good to see you, Kimberly, and your whole staff who's here. Hello, and good evening, commission commissioners. I do believe that Commissioner Hall and Commissioner Canson are supposed to be on Zoom. I don't know if they're there. Okay. Well, uh, um, and I, and maybe can any of you call any of them? I'm not seeing them in the participants. Okay. I just, they're in uh, Washington. They're, they're at the conference, They're in the right? conference, right, yeah. in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I've given you some, some notes on my director's report, and I'm going to just keep it really brief. Tonight, uh, my, I, I did want our doctor, Erin um, Testa, from the Shelter Plus Care to give a brief update, but she isn't able to, to be here tonight, and so we're going to, postpone that and our coordinated entry sort of update. So I'm just going to jump right to um, that I'm happy to announce that we have recently hired an assistant housing choice voucher program assistant to really help with all of our Section 8 program and all of the new programs that we're, we're bringing in right now as well with our uh, mainstream additional vouchers and um, even with our RBRA new vouchers, we really need the additional support. So we are happy to announce that we've hired an assistant manager who's come from EAH with lots of experience managing vouchers and working with the um, low-income affordable housing programs. We've also heard our, our residents say that they really wanted more support at the office uh, to address, to be helping with the eligibility work. So we have been um, contracting that service out and we're really trying to start to bring more of that eligibility work back in house. So we're really happy to announce we've just hired three eligibility workers that will be starting with us next month. Um, one is a resident of ours, a participant of the program, a home ownership, a home ownership participant, and then um, so we're really happy to bring that back in, and we feel like that's going to provide a, 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 a higher level of customer service to our participants. 
we also are open, I want to make sure everyone knows, the San Rafael office is open four days a week, 10 to 4, um, Monday through Thursday, and then the Marin City office is open five days a week as well. So I just want to make sure, and the Marin City office also has a 24-hour maintenance line that can be called, and we have emergency on-call maintenance workers as well. Kimberly, can you, for the Marin City office, can you give the hours again? Sure. I believe it is 10 to 4 as well. Anyone know? 10, 10 to 4. Great. And that, and, and that is five days a week we're open there. Um, and so I do, I do want to make sure, I did hear the comments from Ms. McLemore regarding the property management not being available. And so we, I will make sure I'm working with her and the resident council and um, make sure we are, we're, we're sh we are available because we are there. Um, and then I just want to give a brief update uh, on, the, on the Golden Gate Village revitalization. We had a great turnout last Thursday night with, uh, in our community space to highlight the family self-sufficiency program and this new program that we've implemented with the rent reporting to help build credit for residents. Really great, inspiring um, FSS participants sharing their, their experience to people who are interested in the program. It was one of those really amazing events that I, made me so glad to be doing what I do. And um, so just wanted you to know that happened. We are also planning on this Thursday night on the 23rd, our third resident listening session around the resident investment fund that, we've, that, that the county has provided to really hear residents and listen more from what some of the ideas that have come out and try to flesh some of those out and, and go from there. So that, that's an exciting, that's Thursday night at 5.30 in our community space. And then on Saturday, we've got a celebration of our grand opening of the Golden Gate Village Community Center. And we are, we're planning a fun event with food, music, a bounce house, pickleball lessons, and prizes. The Public Defender will be there, Community Action Marin, Wise Girls, it's a nonprofit that's working with a lot of the young women from Marin City. And... Um, and CareerPoint will also be attending just to highlight some of the new services that we'll be providing out of the Golden Gate Village community space. And um, I also wanted to, and that, that event, our, our opening event will be 11 to 2 on Saturday, this Saturday, and it's supposed to be sunny, so we're excited for that. So please come down if you are available and, and have some time. We'd love to have you there. Um, I also am really excited to share that we have hired our director of resident services for Golden Gate Village, and this was the this was the um, this is the funding that you approved this morning at the Board of Supervisors meeting that is allowing us to hire a director of resident services to really help focus all the services in Golden Gate Village for the residents and work with the community, work with um, nonprofits and the county to really provide and, and, and create a more in-depth, robust service delivery in Golden Gate Village. So really happy that that new employee will be starting next week, and we're really happy to have him on board. Um, and the we're having an Earth Day celebration, too, on Saturday, April 22nd. And this is in partnership with the Performing Stars, the Marin County Sheriff's Department, Probation, the Fire Department, School District, the Bay City Refuge, and other community-based organizations. Um, this has been a wonderful event um, last year, and then we had done it a couple years prior. And uh, so we're hoping that we'll have a lot of volunteers from the community and a lot of residents who are joining us, and we're trying to get that word out and 
um, really focusing on cleaning patios and um, balconies and helping our residents remove a lot of those items and so that we can start fresh and get a lot of that addressed. And that concludes my director's report. Any questions for our director? Kimberly, I did hear one thing uh, from some of our departments who would like to come to the community center, but you're opening, but don't, won't be working on Saturdays, and so they would love to have an event during a work week time that they could come down, or you know, maybe we hold a gathering there. But anyway, I did hear that, so maybe you can have two open houses. <laughs> okay. Yes, yes. Anyway, great report. Um, is there any uh, public comment on the executive director's report? I'm not seeing anyone at the podium. I'm going to look online and I yes, see, we have one, speaker. I see one hand up. Yep. Thanks, guys. I just wanted to let you know that the severe weather today. Um, sorry, can you hear me? Yes. Hello? Yes, okay, we hear thank you. you. I just wanted to make you guys aware that a lot of people who are listening in um, lost um, the ability to, to hear. This meeting, uh, because of the extreme weather today, uh, resulted in our losing our internet connections. Um, and uh, some people were listening in from the East Bay lost power. Um, other people in San Francisco lost power. Uh, Marin lost power. But um, uh, some people also lost internet connections. So even if your batteries were charged up. And I just um, would hope that you know, going forward, um, we can try to um, to make some accommodations um, when we're getting uh, what what appears to have been <laughs> somewhere between a bomb cyclone and a monsoon. Um, you know, it, it, it's uh, unfortunate that I missed close to 45 minutes of the meeting right after uh, Supervisor Katie Rice implied that. Um, that there was any possibility that Marin City residents would resent the new neighbors at 825 Drake, which I thought was a very uncharitable and bizarre assertion. Uh, but I, I do want you to know that that probably uh, a lot of people who, who did want to hear the rest of the meeting in full um, were not able to do so. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We did have technical difficulties uh, all afternoon long. so. Peters, there are no additional speakers. Okay, yeah, sorry about the technical uh, difficulties. We did the best we could. And the meeting is recorded in case people uh, missed it and want to watch again. Okay, uh, we're moved to 16C, and I'll just ask our, our team to tee that up and tell us about this below market rate property. Yes, I, I've asked Jeff Kelly, our program manager for the homeownership program, to talk about these next two items. Okay. Uh, good evening, commissioners. Um, Jeff Kelly, homeownership program manager for Marin Housing. Um, so as promised last time we met, I said I would bring before you some more opportunities to facilitate BMR transactions. So here we are. Um, and these have just come up actually in a few weeks since we've um, met. So um, I believe the first item on the agenda is for a San Rafael unit. And just for a brief background, um, the unit was previously owned by um, a single a single young woman who was selected in the lottery. She lived in there for 10 years, has since gotten married, started a family. Um, so it's a one bedroom unit and there's um, you know two adults and two young children living there. So they've 
they've reached out to us because they're ready to sell and, and upgrade to a larger home. So this is a pretty standard um, success story of somebody who was able to get a below market rate unit and, and build a family and, and a life here in Marin. Um, so the we're looking to um, purchase the unit at the res restricted price of $242,000 and then um, the unit's in fairly good condition, so um, we hope that there won't be extensive rehab, just light paint and, and redoing carpets and things of that nature. And then um, in the next few months, we would, or hopefully in just um, several weeks, we could get this thing ready for um, the next lottery drawing. Okay, sounds good. Any questions from the board on this item? Yes, please, Eric. Just a super quick one, and it probably applies to both of these. Mm -hmm. So when we're saying, you know, we're going to spend an amount not to exceed and then we're going to buy it for, um, we don't really know how it all plays out. Is it possible that once these completely, you know, get rehab sold, whether you can report on them um, just so we know kind of what went into it, what we sold it for? Uh, sure, yes. Yeah, we, we, we set up a separate account for each address, and so the sales price goes in there and then any professional any professional fees and then um, any rehab costs go into that. So when we resell it, we recoup all those costs. Right. That would be great. Thank you. Okay. Okay. There are no questions. I'm going to open it to public comment now. Looks like we have one speaker coming up to the podium. Welcome, Damien. And then we've got one online. Thank you. Um, I'm not sure exactly where this uh, BMR is located, but for example, uh, I'm in Lock Loman often, down by Andy's Market. And when that community was uh, built or rebuilt, along with the Andy's Market, I know that there was there were several uh, BMRs in that community. Correct. Mm -hmm. Now, my point is, in communities like Lock Loman, it appears that you only market those BMRs to white people. I'd be hard-pressed. I'd bet every last penny in my pocket that communities like Lock Loma and many others around Marin that have BMRs, they're all white. The only BMRs that you seem to uh, market to Marin City residents are the ones in Marin City. So, again, my point is, as you probably already are aware of, my question to you, uh, Ms. Carroll, is I'm asking for a detailed uh, list of a breakdown of BMRs throughout the county and what the racial breakdown is. Because uh, as Marin County is, what does very well, you discriminate, you red line, you still do all that to this day. So I would like to know, I would like to have, uh, you know, in reasonable time, a breakdown of BMRs in Marin communities like Lock Loman, along with Marin City, and the racial, uh, um, you know, breakdown, because it appears that uh, places like Lock Loman, which I saw, I saw it go up, and I'd be hard-pressed if there's, uh, those were marketed ever to Marin City or a black resident, period. Thank you. All right. Thank so you. So I will email you soon. Thank you. Uh, I don't see any other speakers uh, on this item. Do you want to speak on this item? Yeah. Uh, 
special section vouchers paid from the BCDC RVRA. Handling it is Malcolm, okay, personally, but Curtis Havel already took my home against a stay-at-home order. So Gavin doesn't see about his orders and the Senate, there's nothing going to the floor, but I'm gonna tell you that I'm not getting into the low-income housing and black community, Marin City. And I'm gonna tell you what the problem is, it's the water, okay? We have seven waterways that have been, five of them been shut off. You wanna get a portable sub pump to reroute water, Mills Valley, at, and I'm new to the game, I'm new to the info. All I know is I'm without my companion, told I'm not gonna get housing with him. I've been on the streets alone, told to stay sober, and I hate it, to be credible. And all that does is make it more painful, okay? Because I can't get medicated from any of the mental health practitioners, and I'm gonna start with housing first, whole person care, shelter care plus, now Odyssey. They all have handed me off, just like you are all doing, to the next player, when that is a historical site, 170 years ago. The Marin Shipway started, it was Marin City. Now it's deemed a black community and low income, and you're not, still not fixing nothing, and you're trying to reroute the water. You have, now I was in that camp before it became a camp because I moved from San Rafael when Lynn Murphy and retired Chief Bishop implemented things. And being that they are gay women who are, have adopted out children that you were from a sovereign woman, they documented her up, made her a stock share on the, you know, with the birth certificate and the share, whatever, so. Yeah, you have anyway, ten, 10 seconds. All I'm saying is that the water is not dirty, it's the people, they're dirty. It's not the anchor outs, so when you made a commitment on whatever day it was, I think it was August of 21, to relocate us, okay. two boats were coming on the dock, mine was gone a month Thank before. Thank you, we're, we're at time now. Thank you. All right, let's go to public comment online. There's two hands. The first speaker is Clayton Smith. Please unmute. Going back to the BMR issue, um, I'm curious how the lottery is uh, set up. How does someone apply for it, given these questions about justice, et cetera? Uh, and um, is, there, is there some program on the part of the... Um, housing uh, department up there that actually does any outreach in terms of uh, soliciting people who might be interested in the lottery. Uh, I don't think that most people in Marine County have any idea such a, a lottery program occurs. It could be an explanation as to why the racial disparity uh, occurs too, because it could be that most of the people who toss their name into the lottery are white people because most of the people who live in Marin County are white people. But I think it would be helpful uh, for an infor from an information point of view that um, people in the community, and perhaps even the person who's sitting there right now, could give a very quick explanation as to how you actually go about uh, doing the lottery and when the lotteries occur and what kind of financial preparation, what kind of credits and 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 um, uh, credit checks that need to be done in order to uh, be an effective quali to qualify to be in the lottery. Thank you. The next speaker is Johnson Reynolds. Please unmute. Yes, you hear me? Yeah. Yes, sir. Go ahead. 
I thought there were a couple people at the podium in the chambers. Am I incorrect when you didn't show a picture of them? Usually you show, I'm online, so I'm just, it'd be good to see the image of people that are actually signing up at the podium. Uh, I'd like to see them. The other question is, Terry Smith made a good point in terms of reaching out if you're already doing that or not to a variety of people so that they could be uh, part of the lottery for when you're getting housing to, to buy uh, that are below market rates. So I appreciate that. Uh, okay, thank you very much. The next speaker is Eva, please unmute. Thank you. Um, I wanted to address the, the, the issue of racial bias in BMR and one of the questions that was raised um, after Damian Morgan spoke, I think the speaker after the speaker after Damian Morgan um, had a question about um, what the what the demographics actually were. I'd like to point out that the county's count for for all of these things has has been historically inaccurate, and just simple things um, like trying to get accurate information from the coroner's office about cause of death or um, accurate information from um, local media about who died uh, is, is very complicated. Uh, this is much more of a, a small Southern Gothic town than a, than a very wealthy county in, in the sophisticated, supposedly sophisticated Bay Area. Um, the count for unhoused people, for example, um, in Marin County has always been an undercount. It's been a significant undercount uh, with regard to uh, the black and Latino unhoused community, um, and particularly with the Latino unhoused community. Uh, many of these people are day laborers um, who have to live in the shadows and are not at all likely um, to make themselves um, present um, for, for a count by the county because they fear being turned over to ICE. Um, and so this is, you know, trying to get an accurate count, uh, relying on the county for this is, is a bit of a fool's errand. Um, the PIT count is always um, underrepresented. And there are questions now about even how the county is registering the current population of Marin City. And that should be examined more closely because the county's been able to get away with, with quite a few things by undercounting the Marin City population. Thank you. President Mullen Peters. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Uh, we'll bring it back. Uh, before the vote, uh, uh, Jeff or Kimberly, can you give a little thumbnail about how the BMR lottery works and the criteria to uh, uh, qualify? Um, Yes, of course. Um, so the, the lottery application is just posted on the website and it's all inclusive. Um, really the, the qualification for the program is just purely based on income. So it's just qualifying that folks are low income. Um, so, you know, the simple, the, the way to enter the lottery is simple. You fill out an application. It's a $25 fee um, for the application. And then, um, and then you do a first time home buyer workshop. So you provide a proof a certificate of completion for a HUD-approved HUD first-time homebuyer workshop. So that gets you in the lottery. Um, the, the availability of the units isn't necessarily within our control. It all depends on when the units are, um, when the current owners are either ready to sell or, or have passed away or what have you. Um, and then once that happens, 
and the unit's ready to market, we, we just post it on our website, and then we do a lottery drawing for anybody that's currently active on our lottery pool. Um, and it's essentially a random number generator, and we go based off of that. Um, so once the once you're selected, we reach out to you and let you know that we usually reach out to the top five folks to say you've been selected. Um, and it's at that point that the number one person would then go and, and at least show us that they could qualify for financing. So we don't actually do the financing that's done by the lenders um, or, or a private bank. So um, we're not involved in that. We just need to know that they're able to get a mortgage at that point. And then it's essentially we just kind of facilitate the home buying process for them. Does that help clarify? It does. Can I just sure really, really quick? We've, we've also done home ownership workshops and outreach in Spanish, and we've also done a couple of events in Marin City. At a, we just did one, I think it was in January, um, end of January. So we, we will, and we can always improve of really making sure we're marketing to, um, you know, out to Marin City and other communities better. But we are putting it on our website. It is, we, we try to get folks to get um, involved in the lottery for the $25, and then we pull them as they, as they come up, as, as Jeff mentioned. Great. Okay, thank you. Quick follow-up, Please. So thank you for that, and I think, Damien, that's a great question. It's important, and I actually, when you come back with the data on, frankly, what does our pool of folks currently in BMRs look like, if we have that data in terms of um, ethnic racial background, and then also, I think, if it's possible to even look at the pool of um, folks that are, the, the applications that, are, that, have, that have been screened and are qualifying in our pool and actually see, uh, look at those numbers and see how it, if it is reflective of, you know, uh, our county complexion and frankly bring that back to us because if we have the opportunity to discuss a policy on, um, on frankly, waiting applications. Maybe we want to look at that towards giving preference to those um, communities, of people from communities of color who have been historically left out of the housing market. And I don't know if we can do that legally, but I think it's worth a conversation and understanding. And I would just quickly add that you know these are just the county BMRs. A lot of cities and towns have their own BMR programs. I know the city of Nevada does, um, and others. So those are also other places uh, to check for BMR units. Okay. Okay. All right. With that, uh, we've been asked to authorize an option to purchase the property uh, at 301 North Avenue, unit number 104 in San Rafael. So moved. Thank you. Second. Okay. Moved by Lucan, second by Sackett. All in favor? Aye. Aye. And 16D, another BMR at 17 Community Circle, Larkspur. Um, so um, I guess um, same thing. Um, Little bit of the background here was an elderly couple purchased this nine years ago. Um, also, they were selected from the lottery, so they were in the lottery pool and their number was drawn. Um, they lived there for nine years and, and just earlier this year, the, the wife passed away and then the husband passed away just a few weeks later. Um, there weren't any eligible heirs to assume the property, so um, there was a will left that named an executor. So we've been talking with the executor of the estate um, to get the appropriate documents and, and settle the estate by purchasing the unit. Um, the, the price of this unit is $199,000, um, but we have been notified that there had, that the, the unit is in need of some rehab and um, there has been some deferred maintenance. 
Um, so we haven't actually had eyes on this unit specifically, but we're just um, putting in a cushion to make sure that we can cover whatever rehab needs to be done. And then, um, and then again, we would post this on our website and then um, do a lottery drawing from all the active applicants on our lottery pool. And, and again, anybody's open to apply in the meantime. Okay. I'm looking, no questions. Is there any public comment on this BMR unit? I'm not seeing anyone in the chambers. Is there anyone online? Yes, Clayton Smith, please on mute. Uh, I am, am, was, am very much in favor of outreach, particularly getting all the people in the county, whatever their racial nature is, aware of the opportunity that all of us taxpayers are paying into to make possible subsidizing. But I want to remind the board about it. That's not to say preferences on the basis of people's ethnic backgrounds or their race. And I want to go back to Martin Luther King's famous statement, people being judged on the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And we're basically moving in an opposite direction here. And we got the reason there was a buy-in in the 1960s for the uh, whole idea of civil rights in this country and the end of the uh, Jim Crow and the segregation of the South was based exactly on that comment that he made in front of the, uh, uh, in front of the Washington Memorial. And turning our back on that and making a, a regime of racial preferences is such a poison in this society. It is going to do incalculable damage to this country. And I, I, I urge you, uh, whatever you're doing in terms of this, that you do not go about this process of creating racial preferences in this program. It will poison it to the core. And for all of us who basically were in the 60s and, and stood in those moments, I tell you, I totally tell you, we truly, we resent the, um, what you're doing. It's not not good for this country. It's poison to our soul. Thank you. The next speaker is Eva. Please unmute. Uh, yes, I, I'd like to point out as someone who works with a lot of the people who actually were part of the civil rights movement in the 1960s, uh, Mr. Smith um, has clearly never read Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, work. He has no idea of, of his larger body of work and is quoting him extremely selectively. Um, Mr. Smith has also benefited um, in so many countless ways, uh, like many mediocre white men, uh, simply by being white. He has been uh, promoted continuously. He's been granted entree into places that uh, far harder working black, Latino, Asian and indigenous people have routinely been excluded from. They have had those who have been allowed into those same spaces as Clayton Smith have had to work twice as hard, three times as hard, five times as hard. And it is outrageous to have him come in and quote Martin Luther King. I wonder if Mr. Smith has ever read Letter from Birmingham Jail. I wonder if he has any idea of uh, what Martin Luther King actually went through and how radical his vision was 
uh, how completely counter, uh, Mr. Smith is a big fan of Ronald Reagan. Uh, Martin Luther King's ethos was socialist. Uh, he, you know, he, his, last, uh, his last days on earth were uh, spent fighting for the rights of workers, uh, not bond salesmen, not white homeowners in Marin County, but, but ordinary workers. He was standing up for them. So let's not uh, allow that history to be abused by Mr. Smith. Thank you very much. The next speaker is Charlene Eldon. Please unmute. Yeah, I would also like to protest against Mr. Smith's weekly vitriol, um, especially the misuse of Martin Luther King Jr.'s quotes to say that we shouldn't be including any equity language because that's racist. This is the kind of thing that comes from miseducation, and there are generations of Americans who have been miseducated. We need critical race theory in our schools, and we need to teach real history so that people stop thinking delusional things like, if we just don't talk about racism, it'll stop. No, racism is written into our laws. Look up the redlining in Marin County or the recent desegregation order. These things are present and current and happening just with a smile on our faces rather than with horrible slurs, but there's no difference. There's no difference ultimately. And this is like the deep south. And we know that because of how often black and Latino people are stopped and arrested. I see it the rest of my time, thank you. Senator Moulton Peters, there are no additional speakers in the queue. Okay, thank you. We'll um, now consider uh, authorizing the exercise of an option to approve the 17 Camellia Circle property in Larkspur. I'll move it. Second. Thank you. Motion by uh, <laughs> Bryce, what's your name? Second by Lucan. All in favor? Aye. Okay, that motion carries. Thank you. Item 16D now, approval of consultant contract. This item is to bring up, to, to contract with the development consultant project manager for our Golden Gate Village revitalization project. We, um, at, you know, in the housing authority, we really don't have a development department. And now that we we're moving forward with trying to move forward as quickly as we can to get the units renovated in Golden Gate Village, we hired a, we're, we put out an RFP for a development consultant and a project manager to help us with getting the RFQ out for a developer partner and managing that process. In addition to helping us with the NEPA CEQA process to get that all going and the Section 18 application, along with some of our, our, our um, community resident involvement. So we, have, we put out an RFP in January of 20, this January on the 25th, and we, got, we, had, we closed that RFP process on February 14th. Four proposals were submitted to us. Um, a few of them really didn't understand the project at all. Really, we're looking more for project management or contract con con management. So we did have a Structure LLC, Structure Advisors LLC, who really understood our project, and um, he responded. Or Structure responded, 
and we selected this vendor to help us to move this project forward. He did have the experience with us under, under the project, under a contract with HUD, so feels like we can hit the ground running and really do all this great work that we're all wanting to do together with um, the residents and the resident council and with your support as the board. So we're moving to, um, to do a contract with structure ad advisors for a 12-month contract. Uh, could you remind me what the deliverables are for that contract? Sure. The deliverables are to uh, help us with the RFQ process and to manage the RFQ to do begin the Section eight the Section 18 application so that we can move out of the public housing platform and into the project base for the tax credit and then do a, begin the tax credit application process as well and also the NEPA CEQA review of the property as we do re, as we do our rehab project. Um, in addition, because of the work we're, we're working with, um, with all of the resident, we want to have the help with resident involvement, having resident meetings, keeping people informed of, what, of all the work we're doing at each ste step of this process. So they'll be doing that with us as well. And that was a 12-month contract, 12 -month right? 12-month contract, okay. yeah. Thank you. Any other questions? Mary. And when does that contract start? I think we're hoping it will start on Monday, the 27th. It says April 1st, 2023 in the contract. But six of Yeah, I think we're still in negotiations, but we would like to get started on the 27th or as soon as possible, but could be the first. Sure. I'm sorry. Chris Barda is our is our procurement and compliance officer, so I'm going to let Chris answer that. Yeah. Hi. Good evening. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I'm Chris Bart. I'm the new procurement and contracts uh, manager, and so it really is a we've it's a draft contract, but it's been all negotiated, and we're really ready to start on whatever date that we get approval, we can move forward and we can start it. Uh, as Kimberly said, you know, Monday or tomorrow or whenever. So we're ready to go as soon as you folks are. We can do it. So. Does the Structure Development Advisors LLC have knowledge of or, or local knowledge or any relationship with the community? Yes, is local local knowledge has worked with a lot of Bay Area housing authorities to do development and is really familiar with our project. He's been working with us since May of last year, so very familiar with the work we're doing, the community, and um, and helping us move this project forward to renovation. Thank you. Okay, I don't see any questions, but I see Royce. Are you looking to come to public comment? Please come on up and comment. Yeah. Okay, um, I have three comments. Number one, um, as this position is filled, to me it's a conflict of interest, and not only myself, but many others, because like was said, he was here since May of 2022. Um, I personally didn't even know about the four proposals and the screening and selection process. Everything else, you know, I get an email. But this, no. Reason being, I could, I could almost imagine, you know, exactly why. 
because this was the same man that was at this board and talked uh, about the, res the, the nots, the do nots of our resident plan. But here he is on the inside track to uh, get hired as the, uh, the whatever his consultant, whatever his job is. That is a conflict of interest. Why do I say that? Because the resident council first asked, well, maybe we might want to throw our hat in 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 a part. Well, if you do, you can't be involved in anything. But this man was involved all the way through and then made a backroom deal. Yes, it was not really advertised, never really went out in the news and this, that, and the other. And here he is back again and with Yes, and I'm going to say it, the crook of Gerard Went, which is the reason why this authority, once it has a complete audit, is going to find, be found lacking. So the no notice, and we're supposed to be partners, remember? But part, selective partners, but that's not what our MOU says. And lastly, we are still looking for uh, a 90-10 as it relates to the RAD so that there will be, um, well, I'm, I'm not even thinking that this is really, you know, just going to go through, but this Mike Andrews uh, created a conflict of interest for the record. Okay, uh, next comments, please. We have a tall person up here. <clears throat> Yes, uh, to follow up with what Roy said, I did uh, get a copy of the Golden Gate Village feasibility analysis that Mike Andrews uh, convinced you that the Golden Gate Village Resident Council plan was uh, not feasible. And um, one of the main things that he listed was local project-based voucher regulations um, resulting in the possibility for unmet expectations for residents or cash flow challenges. He's the one who basically put a report together saying, and, and um, on one of the pages, he has scenario A, scenario B, and there is no di difference. There's no, but it's scenario A that has a, a negative amount that, he's, that he pinned, uh, a fundraising excess amount for the resident council plan um, would be, make it would not be financially feasible. This report, and then now finding that, first of all, I thought the RFQ was going to go out the end of last year, and I've been waiting for the RFQ, and I have not seen it. So now I hear the RFQ is going to go out this week, or maybe by April 1st, and then an RFP, request for a proposal. So already, I guess they're, uh, even though the RFQ has not gone out, they've already decided who is going to fill that position. It all seems a little backward to me and not a democratic process. Thank you. I'm Andy Vera Rosenfeld um, from Mill Valley. Um, if I understand what's happening, MHA hires Mike Andrews as an independent HUD consultant uh, in May. As such, he is asked to evaluate two proposals, the Golden Gate Village resident proposal and the MHA proposal. He evaluates and recommends the MHA proposal over the Golden Gate Village resident council proposal. The Board of Supervisors votes 5-2 to two to adopt the MHA proposal. He is subsequently hired by MHA to manage the MHA process 
to project to revitalize Golden Gate Village. What is wrong with this picture? There was a total of four uh, proposals submitted. The resident council was not involved in the process of evaluating or selecting this project manager as required by the MOU between MHA and the Golden Gate Village Resident Council. Even though the RFP on page two states that MHA and the Golden Gate Village residents are seeking a consultant. The Marin Housing Authority is a public entity and receives and administers money from HUD to Gold, for Golden Gate Village. The process of hiring this project manager was behind closed doors. It is public money. It should have been a public process. Since the selection was secret, there's no way to know that the public, uh, that the, uh, pu but the public or the resident council could know if this was a fair process. Mr. Andrews was involved in evaluating and selecting the MHA proposal over the GVRC proposal. Was his favoritism shown to the MHA proposal by Mr. Andrews because he was hired by MHA and voted for their plan? Or he knew he was going to bid on subsequent work with MHA and probably be rewarded for that? This should have been a transparent process and the resident council should have been involved. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, we'll go to any online comments, and then I'll take it back to the uh, executive director to respond. The first speaker is Barbara Rothkrug. Please unmute. Um, good afternoon. I'm Barbara Rothkrug from Mill Valley. Um, I understood that the resident council was part of the process of selecting a developer. And as of Friday, the last time I was in Golden Gate Village, I heard nothing about the fact that this developer, that four proposals had been received and had been reviewed. The resident council and no one else who lives in Golden Gate Village knew a thing about this. And I think that's totally and completely inappropriate and a great betrayal of trust. And that's all I have to say about this. Yeah, thank you. Uh, folks, I'm gonna ask if we could make our comments one minute now. Our Congressman is trying to get in to use these chambers at six o'clock and I'm sorry, but uh, Barbara, if you would go next, please. Barbara, please unmute. Thank you. Excuse me. Um, I would like to know how it's possible that there was a selection committee for project management of revitalization of Golden Gate Village that didn't include anyone from the resident council, the legal representatives of the residents. The resident council wasn't even informed of the fact that this committee existed. MHA continues to give lip service to their intention to collaborate with the residents to involve them in decision-making, but does absolutely nothing to demonstrate that they mean that. Is this the way you think you will repair the trust between MHA and the resident council? Supervisor Sackett asked if these people have experience with the community. Yes, both Mike Andrews and Kyla Price have experience with the community 
and I have never heard anyone in the community say anything positive about either of them. Thank you. The next speaker is Clayton Smith. Please unmute. You just let uh, Eva Crisante uh, go on and on expressing her endless antipathy towards white men and myself in particular. And in fact, you're continuing to allow her to go on and on with her comments about me, which were almost borderline liableness. Okay. Something I think you should talk Clayton, to Clayton, can we, can we focus on well, the item at hand? On, we are focusing on what you have just allowed someone to smear me in public. And I, I think that it's something that needs to be discussed, if not now, at some point in the future, your conduct in allowing this is, is inexcusable. I would never do that to her or anyone else, and I would hope in the future you would not allow anyone else to continue doing that to anyone else. It's your responsibility. Thank you. Okay. The next speaker is Rebecca Helso. Please unmute. Hi, good afternoon. Rebecca Helsel here again. Can you hear me this time? Yes. Yes. Okay, great. Um, I'm a retired uh, professional affordable housing, you know, developer, nonprofit developer and advocate. And we were always so, so careful with all of our transparency and requirements around both HUD money, which we used extensively, almost every property, and also um, uh, for tax credits. And during the process of Golden Gate Village, um, supposed airing of, of the two side by side, I was, you know, my antenna went up when it started with uh, Mike Andrews saying, oh yeah, uh, it's um, 28 million uh, shortfall. And he was very kind and very helpful. And then all of a sudden we're at 68 million and there is no, uh, uh, none of the. Um... Okay, thank you, we're at time. The next speaker is Jerry Miller, please unmute. Hi, um, I, uh, again, my name is Jerry Miller and I'm from Belvedere and um, I could not agree more strongly with the comments of uh, Ann Devereaux and Rebecca and both Barbaras. Um, I really feel like it's so essential that the resident council have a stronger voice in, in uh, choosing uh, the developer and, and being included in major decisions that impact their lives. The next speaker is Susan Rankish. Please unmute. Yes, I wanted to just join the chorus on saying that it's so disappointing that the resident council was not involved in this. Um, it's more than disappointing. It's, it, it, it breaks all trust. Um, there's more than an appearance of impropriety in this. It has all the appearance of malevolent manipulation behind closed doors. And I think the supervisors need to get their antenna up about this trust issue. Thank you. 
The next speaker is Eva. Please unmute. Thank you. The question was raised, uh, why is there so little transparency? How could there be this conflict of interest? Um, how could this happen? And I think, you know, these are, these are questions that were raised in Bruce Risley's letter way back in 1958. And that's why I think it's such an important letter for everyone to read. But I also think it's important for people to recognize that the reason this is happening, one of the major reasons this continues to happen is because the very well-meaning um, advocates here continue to support uh, without, without any conditions, without, without any demands, they continue to support the exact same politicians, elected officials, the Board of Supervisors, and, and now uh, Damon Connolly, uh, the Assembly person, who have, who have done this for decades. And so until you start really um, applying some pressure, withholding campaign funds, uh, trying to primary them, you know, you are going to get the same result. You can't ask why this is happening. You know why it's happening. The next speaker is Charlene Elden. Please unmute. Hi, thank you. I also want to express my disappointment and disgust that the resident council wasn't even informed about these proceedings. I, I can see that you're all tired and that you want to leave. And frankly, I think that the lack of respect that you've showed the public and your constituents today is really disheartening. Um, and I hope that in the next election cycle, we see some real change because I am dead tired of this. So I can't even imagine what the resident councils and the residents are going through. But this has been betrayal after betrayal in people's faces and it, it has to stop. Thank you. The next speaker is Kate Levinson. Please unmute. Um, Kimberly Carroll gave a, a glowing report um, of uh, Marin Housing Authority's involvement. But I, I really invite the commissioners to go and talk to the residents. If you, um, as many of us have been lately, learning the stories of the conditions they're living under and the fear of reporting, uh, speaking out uh, against the conditions. And, and so I, I'm just very, um, I, I, I hold the, the commissioners accountable. You are the ones who chose the housing authority and now you need to hold the housing authority accountable and, and stop some of the, um, the deceptions, uh, whether it's intentional or not, there is a lot of manipulation and deception. And, and uh, Ms. Carroll now is on her phone. She doesn't listen to any of us. I, I appreciate that it's hard for her, but you, you've been on your, anyway. So um, thank you. Representative Mullen-Peters, there are no additional speakers in the queue. Uh, okay. Wow. We, we have one more in case you want to take that one. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, let's uh, do Chris that. Chris Brown. Hi, uh, Chris Brown from Inverness. I'd just like to read a couple of sentences from the Memorandum of Understanding between Golden Gate Village and the Marin Housing Authority. In case you need reminding, it's valid through December 2023. Three pages on the second page, number four, nature and range of issues. <coughs> residents shall be involved and participate in the overall policy development and direction of public housing. 
Um, and I'll skip down to MHA. Uh, shall ensure that GGVRC officers um, and other residents are fully trained and involved in developing and implementing federal programs. A lot more here. Um, I don't think you've honored the memorandum of understanding and I'd like you to revisit it. Thank you. President Mon Peters, there are no additional speakers in the Okay. Um, I, I need to do two things. I, I need somebody on staff to go out and find Huffman's team and see if he, he needs his chamber right now. Jenny, I'm sorry, I didn't see you. So look, we, we can uh, proceed with this item or we can continue this. What are your constraints on this room? Um, and Yeah, but, but are you a hard stop at 7 p.m. or are you able to continue on? That should be fine, Jenny. Okay, thank you for that. No problem. So then I'm gonna bring it back to our executive director and our procurement um, chair. Could you tell us the steps that you did take or what your procurement and your noticing process was also? Sure, is this? Yeah, uh, you're live. Okay, good. So we, we put it out on a, a platform called uh, International Procurement, which is housing authorities and uh, vendors for those type of organizations. I think this went up when I looked at the stats to about 1,350 people on this platform and we got four replies back from that. So we did it and this is all pursuant to the HUD procurement manual so that we went through and you know, made sure everybody was in compliance with the submissions that they had. And from there we kind of came down to two that seemed um, viable for what we were, the, the scope of work that we put out. And from there then we did uh, we had a three-person committee with, uh, we had Kimberly was on it and um, Adrian Chorley was on it and our CFO, Nick Sue was on it. Uh, so we, you know, put out various point systems pursuant to that and they were scored individually and then we kind of compared the two. Then we went back to negotiate with the top two contenders in terms of kind of a best and final offer type situation and then that's how we put together the agreement that we got based on what they submitted, so that makes sense. And, and I just want to clarify, because some of the, 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 the speakers were yeah. confused between the RFQ process, which is for a developer. That is, that is not happened yet. That is going to be happening. We're, going, we're working with um, the resident council to set up what those metrics will be, what we're going to be looking for in our RFQ to select our developer. On that selection evaluation committee, we have four residents and then five non-residents and that some of those folks have been referred to us as the, um, by the resident council to sit on that. So that process is gonna happen. This is really just, we don't have the in-house staff to sort of start the ball rolling with all the things that were approved back in November that we're all wanting to happen. You know, we do want the renovation um, we are going to do that all as we talked about with the residents. Um, we, you know, we really didn't have, um, I, I, you know, we could have included the resident council in this. I did give them a copy of the RFP that I emailed, but um, I didn't follow up with including them in in the in this eval in this evaluation committee, which 
I, you know, okay. I, I could have done different. This is a professional services yeah. contract, and I want to. I think you need to clarify something else. There was a statement made that we had hired uh, Mike with structure to do the evaluation. I don't think that's correct. Did he was he under contract to HUD? Yes, he was. He was a HUD. He was he was paid for by Enterprise through an enterprise contract paid through by HUD. We, and he, we were given him. We didn't select him back in May. Um, he followed a, an, another consultant that we had from HUD, Kathleen Foster. So there is yes. no conflict there. Um, in, in our review, we have no conflict. He was a vendor who has his own firm who responded to our RFP. That is a very important distinction, that HUD hired him to oversee our process, and they, he was taking direction from HUD using their standards and criteria. He was not on our payroll. So this is a professional services contract that we're being asked that will ultimately lead. Okay, uh, and is there, are there other comments on this item? I'd just like to, to comment that this is a consultant for professional service contract, which you do all the time, every right. day, yes. by this procurement process. No surprise that Mike rose to the top, one of the two top uh, applicants, because he knows what we're doing out here very well after working with us for several months. But he no longer worked for us at some point last year, I think about November, HUD and that contract that HUD had terminated. And so that's why we went through this process. We thought that maybe HUD would support him through these next processes, but they, for some reason, that didn't happen with the consultant they were working with, and so we had to go out on our own. But it's no surprise, Mike knows this project, knows the area well, and it was no surprise to me that he would have performed well in this in this RF, RFP. I, I don't think there was anything that I would worry about in terms of conflict. Uh, he went through a process and he competed but the reason he rose to the top was he knows this project really well and he knows the processes that we have to go through to get a developer, to get to the next step. And that's what we're talking about. Right. If I may, uh, my concern is there's what is allowed and what you know may be standard contracting and then there's the appearance. And I think in this situation, trust is paramount as we go forward, right? And so I think we have to go above and beyond our normal sort of course of business and who normally gets an RFP and who's engaged. I think we have to up the game because I what frustrates me here is to see a lack of trust on the very, very first step of this process. And that to me is like a really unfortunate missed opportunity. So now we're behind the eight ball and we know that trust is gonna be an ongoing issue. So just keeping that in mind in all, every step of the way um, and engage yeah. the resident council as part of it, not just a, you know, email. And, and it may be the way things operate, but I think we gotta do better. Right. And if I could, if I could just say quick, uh, I feel the same way very much about how procedure, how we proceed and how we engage people. We just implemented a new platform called OpenGov, which really is, kind of lives up to its name, OpenGov. It's brand new. We're implementing it, rolling it out. And you can sign up on email. You'll get every uh, RFP, RFQ that we put out going forward, so you'll know automatically, okay, here's what it is, here's what it says, and here's what it's... And also working with the residents, too, is very important to, to me and us. So I, I definitely hear you on those points. Thank you. You know... Um, I, I want to I wanna, uh, a 
uh, align myself with um, Supervisor Sackett's comments. And it just, it is, we have to go above and beyond. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure that it makes a difference to push this off and, and take it up at another date. I do think whether we act on it today or act on it later, and, and frankly, I think it's important to get going, but um, I think that it, you really need to bring a discussion about how you select it, you know, this process back to the resident council. So it's very, very clearly understood. But then also, I think it's really because it's the next step, it's them developing this RF, is it an RFP or RFQ? For, RFQ. That's really critical. And I don't know to what degree that process has been discussed with the community and the resident council because that's really where we need to be absolutely partnering um, with the community. And, and this person or this firm that we're hiring to do this work with um, is is key to that. Um, but I, I, I think the community and the resident council really deserves an understanding of our process and um, to get out to them as soon as possible with it, with regards to this action, um, but more importantly, differentiating this action from the future actions, which are, are super critical. Mm -hmm. are at time to figure out what to do next. So maybe I should follow up with a question. What would be the impact of delaying this um, decision? We would delay getting our RFQ out. The, uh, the plan was to meet with the resident council either um, probably early April. We had to move it back because we haven't been able to do this yet. Um, but then to sit down with the resident council and have them look at the, the draft RFQ. Our goal was to try to get that out in April, so the, the, what, that would be the fallout. We'd have to just push it back and get our RFQ out probably in May instead of April. And the other thing might be that you might lose, uh, you know, your, you might get a different contract or a different opportunity and not be able to, to join us okay. going forward. Yeah, yeah, if I may, the other thing that's important is We've already been delayed by, because of HUD not supporting Mike to do this work. And, and it turns out he's our choice now for the consultant to do it. But we've lost, in my mind, at least three or four months already. Mm -hmm. We'd have to wait another month to bring someone on board. So I just want everyone to understand that, that we promised to move quickly in November, and we've been delayed already. So it does delay the timeline to getting moving this project forward. And, I think we made a commitment in my mind in November to try and do this quickly in conjunction with the resident council, but we haven't got to that next step to bring the RFQ forward. And, and that's been the delay because of what happened with the HUD um, consultant agreement and then us having to go out on our own and negotiate a new consultant. But, right. but if we do it another month, it just adds a month onto that timetable. And I want everyone to understand that because I think at some point people are going to be saying, what have you been doing? Right. You promised this months ago and you're still not there. As long as the board under commission understands that. So, what would give me some greater comfort is to not aim to get the RFP out in April. If RFQ. you're just RFQ. RFQ, okay. I mean, if you're just getting your advisory group together, you, you need at least a month for them to get up to speed. So, I guess I'm I would be willing to move forward if I get some some sense that you're willing to work with the residence council on a schedule that is workable and doesn't rush that process that's about to begin. 
Can we agree to that? Yes, we can agree to that. We were going to get the, a draft RFQ out as soon as we can to the resident council. We're not working with the evaluation committee. What, we, what we're doing is we're putting it out with the resident council, and then they can have 10 days to two weeks to review it. If, and, and if they need more, we'll give them more. Um, but So, yes, we can absolutely agree to that and work with the resident council on their time frame of looking at our RFQ. I do want to remind us all, though, we do have a HUD corrective action plan as well. Understood. So, you know, that, that's part of what's Un Understood. There. Okay. And it will be really great when we have Mike back on board so that he can staff this thing and get us the dates and the process and make this much clearer than it is. But I think the important thing for me is we need to start with this professional services contract and then do the right thing going so forward. So I'm, I'm happy to move approval of the professional service contract with the direction from uh, President Moulton Peters uh, about that additional engagement. Okay. Uh, we have a motion. Is there a second? Second. second. Okay. Motion. Uh, Lucan, second. Rice, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. We've done open time for public expression. With that, this meeting is adjourned. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.